Welcome to this episode of How Top HR Professionals Think podcast. I'm Dr. Rosaline Glickman. Before I introduce you to our guest today, I'd like to introduce you to my co-host, Bill Brewer. Bill is with Stanton Chase, a top 10 executive search firm. Clients are the Fortune 2000. Bill leads the North America Human Resources Practice Group. He has deep HR experience and has been a chief human resources officer with three companies ranging from 3,000 to 20,000 employees. His early HR experience was with Fleur Corporation and the Walt Disney Company. So with that, Bill, I'll pass it on to you. Thanks, Rosaline. I'm pleased to introduce my co-host, Dr. Rosaline Glickman, who is a seasoned executive coach who helps senior executives, YPO leaders, and rising stars to optimize value, communications, and performance with optimal thinking. Rosaline has delivered over 2,500 presentations to corporations, associations, and business groups. On an individual basis, she has provided over 30,000 hours of one-on-one coaching. She is the creator of numerous optimization products, including the Optimal Thinking 360 Assessment. Rosaline, I'll turn it back to you. Thanks, Bill. It's my pleasure to introduce today's guest. Kathy Mandato has more than 25 years experience in human resources, building strong cultures, elevating talent, while scaling and transforming companies. Her background includes serving as the Chief Human Resources Officer for Warner Media Entertainment and Direct-to-Consumer. Prior to joining Warner Media, Kathy advised technology startups, including Snap Incorporated, Before joining SNAP, Kathy was at NBC Universal for six years, serving as Executive VP of Human Resources for NBC Entertainment, Universal Television Studio, Universal Cable Productions, and HR Shared Services. She joined NBC in 2011 from Comcast Entertainment Group where she served as the SVP of Human Resources for three prominent cable networks. Previously, Kathy was Head of Human Resources for DreamWorks SKG and was part of the team that took the animation division public in 2004. She then served as Head of Human Resources for DreamWorks Animation for three years before joining Comcast and E! Entertainment. Kathy began her career with agencies, including BBDO Worldwide, where she served as VP of New Business Development and Communications for the Los Angeles, San Francisco, and Atlanta offices. Kathy received her BS degree in Journalism and Mass Communications with a minor in Public Relations from Kansas State University. Kathy, we're delighted to have you here with us today. Bill, would you like to start the ball rolling with some questions? Absolutely. Kathy, it's wonderful to have you on this episode of How Top HR Professionals Think. And I thought I'd just lead off with a question of how do you stimulate an individual's desire to contribute their best? Thank you, Bill. And thank you, Rosaline, for having me. It's great to be here. 
As long as I've been an employee, I've always been happiest and I think more engaged and more productive when I've been given my own game. In other words, when someone has trusted me to do my job and acted as more of a coach than a manager in how they managed my day-to-day -day activities. If you want employees or people on your team who can eventually stand on their own two feet and make decisions, you've got to trust them. The other thing that inspires an individual to contribute their best is allow room for them to make mistakes. If you come down on people uh, with a big old hammer, what it's going to do is just cause them to have fear, lose their motivation, play it safely, which will actually hurt innovation. Try to act more as a coach than a manager. Mm-hmm. So you're not a micromanager, Kathy. In order to optimize, from my point of view as an optimal thinking coach, I always encourage my people to ask five optimal questions each day. Here are some examples. What's supremely important to me? What are my most important goals today? Which actions will be most beneficial for my self-confidence and self-respect? What will make each task today most profitable, most efficient, and what's the most constructive use of my time right now? If they get on the optimal track of being their best with these kind of questions, regardless of whether they've had a poor night's sleep or been annoyed by a coworker, they have a focus each and every morning when they start work. Oh. So I assume that you have some ideas regarding how to motivate or how to inspire your team to be their best. Love to hear about that from you. You know, I think that goal setting is one of the best things I've done. Getting my team together in January to set goals for the year, pulling them back together on a quarterly basis to review those goals and see how we're doing against the goals, and also to see if we need to change the goals that we have. It's given everybody a voice, it's allowed for them to see their own connectivity and their own value and how they can contribute to those goals and allows their peers to see how they contribute as well. And kind of similar to what you were saying, Rosaline, I think that's actually just having a practice is important. Everyone needs to understand their role and their responsibilities on the team. And if you take the time up front to do that with either a new hire or at the outset of a project, you save so much time and anxiety. You stop any discord from happening because everyone is clear about what they are there to contribute. I do think that people go to work each day wanting to provide value. If you believe that that is true, give them a great platform on which to do that by just being clear with them about your expectations. Mm -hmm. It does take a little bit of extra time, but I've seen time and time again where leaders sort of leave that to chance and think that employees are just going to figure it out. It actually just causes strife more than it helps. Mm. So you're really talking about inclusion and responsibility mm -hmm. so yes. that you can benchmark performance. Excellent. Yeah. Yes. I do have one other thing that I have done, and I think this is kind of a unique idea. I try to look into the future. Okay, where's the business going to be in five years? How can HR contribute to getting the business there? A lot of times people need to be led into the future 
And I've done that successfully by exposing them to companies that are innovating either in the industry that I'm in at the time or other industries. When you bring people along for that ride and they see how innovation is happening, their wheels start turning about how they can bring more innovation to their own role. What does that look like, Kathy? For example, at NBC, we went to a number of different technology companies in the Bay Area. We also did the same thing with the leadership team. And I just saw so much change as a result of that. People went back to their offices and back to their desk and said, okay, I can innovate in my own space. No matter what my function is, I can innovate too. And it really energized people around being ready for the future and frankly, maintaining their own relevancy in their own skills. I really think that's a great recipe for success if you're looking for people to be innovative. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying is you combined the best practices of innovative companies with the goals of your team. Yes, and made it fun in doing that, really? introducing them to yeah. the concept of innovation through meeting people who are actually in the thick of it. Mm-hmm. Excellent. That is very unique. Being part of a new environment and walking onto these campuses, a lot of them in Silicon Valley, also makes you realize what your company needs to do to be more competitive. There's that as well. So I think there are some really great companies out there, not in your industry. When we used to have our leadership retreats at NBC, we brought in Singularity University in the Bay Area. And we heard from people who are innovating in medical technology. And you might think, well, what do entertainment executives learn from people in medicine? It's actually really incredible how just speaking about and being exposed to innovation can get your own wheels turning about your own function or your own job. Mm. How did you choose the companies to visit? A lot of these innovative companies in the Bay Area have tourism that they offer to other companies and they open their doors and they say, here's what we're doing. Let's learn from each other. Now you have to be careful about competitive practices and not crossing the line there, but it actually is something a lot of tech companies are doing. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Great. So Kathy, you have an incredible background. You've been with Warner Media, Snap, NBC, and DreamWorks along the way. What is your biggest career accomplishment? Well, thank you for those kind words. I have been extremely lucky to have been in the right place at the right time. But I will say that one of the most challenging things I was able to accomplish was moving from advertising into human resources. I was in Atlanta working for BBDO, doing new business development and communications. And I had a connection to the president of Turner Entertainment through my boss at BBDO. And I took advantage of that connection and I was able to convince them that I could bring my skill set to HR in a way that HR people hadn't done before. So use my marketing prowess, my PR prowess, frankly, to create programs, to build a culture, et cetera. I thought that that might be able to be something I could bring to the table as a head of recruiting. And yet what I found, Bill, and I think this is still a problem today, there's not enough hiring for what I would call work athletes going on out there. People tend to want to hire people who have done the exact same job in the exact same industry. And it's often hard to convince hiring managers to bring in people that haven't necessarily done that job before, but they have the talent to do it. 
I can really only look back and think about one time when I was able to make that happen in my entire career. So I would like to encourage hiring managers to just look at people as talent and know that they can learn the job. I think that's a secret to getting new and fresh perspectives and how things can be done differently by bringing in people who maybe haven't done that job before. And have you brought in work athletes into your own HR group from other groups? And how have you identified them? When I was at DreamWorks, we built the recruiting team out of former animators or former production supervisors because they had such an intimate knowledge of the skill sets necessary to make an animated movie. Pretty much our entire team was built from the other side, the people that were actually creating the movies. They had incredible networks, they could speak the language, and people wanted to work for those people. So that was a real success story, I think, at DreamWorks. It is much more challenging than it should be, though, to convince people to hire people who haven't done the job before. Mm -hmm. Yes, because most companies want to hire individuals who will hit the ground running. Yes. Unfortunately, that tends to promote tunnel vision. Exactly. Rather than bringing in transferable skills that could not only produce incremental change, but valuable disruptive change that could move the company forward in leaps and bounds. Mm -hmm. But that's a risk. Right. Speaking of DreamWorks, another career highlight for me, frankly, was being there in 2004, I believe, or around that time frame, when animation was going from 2D to CG. And rather than say to all the 2D artists that really came from fine art backgrounds, sorry, we need to go find people who've worked on the computer before. We literally created an entire program to convert 2D artists to CG animators. I think there were only two people out of a hundred, and there were many hundreds of these people that didn't want to make the change, but everyone else was successfully able to make that change. And those were two very different skill sets. So I have to give Jeffrey Katzenberg and Ann Daly a lot of credit because they wanted to help people transition their skills and built an entire program to make that happen. Gives them a chance to grow. Exactly. So you've worked with some wonderful leaders, Kathy. Who do you most admire and why? The person that I have worked for for almost 10 years at two different companies is Bob Greenblatt. I would work for him again and again and again. And he most recently was the chairman of Warner Media. He was also the chairman of NBC Entertainment when I was there. And we created a very close working relationship. But I think everyone who was on his team felt that way about him. And I'll tell you his skills that I think really make him stand out. He hires people who know what they're doing. Expertise is something that he values. And then he lets those people do their job. Kind of like what I said in the beginning, where people want to come in and have their own game. If they've reached a certain point in their career where they have the expertise, they want to be allowed to use it. Bob has been incredible at attracting talent because of the way he manages capable people. He also doesn't shy away from stamping out discord. He immediately deals with it fairly. It keeps everybody rowing in the same direction. He does not let things sit. He takes care of it in a way that is respectful. And I also think he's really good at pushing for innovation and creativity and how people do their jobs. He's always pushing to say, 
why aren't we doing this in a different way? Or could you think about a different way to do this? Pushing people for innovation. When you look back at his career, it's quite amazing. He's launched some of the biggest careers in entertainment, both in front of and behind the camera, because he has an eye for talent and he surrounds himself with good talent. That to me is a hallmark of a great leader. Mm -hmm. So it's about respecting competency and encouraging creativity. Exactly. And he's a very creative person himself. I think he realizes what he doesn't know. And if you bring a skill set to the table that maybe he doesn't know, he lets you bring everything that you've got to the table. And he listens. So I would have to give him my highest honor <laughs> of somebody that I think is a great leader. Mm -hmm. In the decision-making process, Kathy, how much does he involve the team? Oh, I think a lot. For example, he's one of those people that has regular meetings, which I think is also essential to keeping people rowing in the same direction and people know what they're expected to accomplish. Kathy, does Bob set the direction on his own or does he request input to set the direction? I think both. He definitely sets the direction. He does provide the leadership that is necessary to get people headed down the right path. But then how you get there is really up to the people that he's hired to be on his leadership team. Mm -hmm. And they, in turn, do the same thing with their teams. I think it's a really good recipe for success. There's not a lot of second guessing. He expects you to be responsible. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's it. Yes. Yeah. And the accountability is there. Being somebody that people want to work for brings that instant accountability forward. If you're somebody that people respect, you walk the talk, frankly, you listen, you don't play favorites, you're able to admit your own mistakes, all of that, which he does, then you are going to just naturally bring your best to that leader and to that team. I love what you're saying. People don't jump out of bed every day with the greatest enthusiasm saying, oh, I've got the best process. Mm -hmm. They jump out of bed with the highest enthusiasm if they know that the workplace encourages them to be their best or allows yeah. them to be their best. And they're excited and they're challenged, right? If you go to work every day and you are doing repetitive tasks day in and day out, it's probably not quite as exciting to get out of bed. But if you go to work knowing that you're working on something really challenging and exciting that's going to move the company forward, that energizes people. That's where what we talked about before, giving people the sense of their own value and what they're bringing to the table is so very important. Love it. Bill. Any questions? Yeah. One final question. Kathy, what does it take to be a best place to work from a human capital perspective? You know, it's a good question because technology, as an example, is infusing so many of our workplaces, so many companies, so many industries right now. Algorithms are ruling the day. The number one way to have a best place to work from a human capital perspective is to just not forget that it's the people that are working for you. The technology can help support, but the people are the ones that are going to get you where you need to go. With today's focus on optimization of labor, we may be going from empowerment to disempowerment, and that does concern me. I read an article recently in the Harvard Business Review that said nearly half of all CEOs have a background in finance, where cost-cutting and bottom-line accounting really take precedence. Businesses are expected to make money and you want them to run efficiently. But if you take optimization of labor too far, it can actually have the effect of undermining productivity and even stop innovation. 
That's optimization of capital, right? Optimization yes. of labor is bringing out the best in your labor force. Well, if you take a company where the use of automation and software for greater efficiency is happening, tighter control over how people do their jobs, centralized decision-making, it chips away at an employee's ability to have control over their environment, to make the decisions to get the company in the right place. And I think it will then chip away at someone's inspiration and engagement. As technology becomes more and more important, and again, I like to think five years out, as AI becomes a bigger part of our workplaces, as robotics becomes a bigger part of our workplaces, human capital is not going to be in a lot of jobs. And yet they still are very important. And I do believe that relationships are sometimes being taken for granted in that scenario. Making an effort to achieve more balance between the bottom line optimization and what's important to the people that work for you is something that all leaders have to pay attention to. That bottom line thinking has really taken over with the pandemic and the economy being what it is and the number of layoffs that have happened, et cetera. We are headed into a time where companies could easily, again, take their employees for granted because there are 100 people waiting in line to take that person's job. <laughs> That's not necessarily going to create a good work environment. You have to pay attention to what the people are doing for you, what they need from you, and put relationships, I think, at a premium over technology. Well said. Bearing that in mind, Kathy, what do you see as the greatest opportunities for human resource professionals to mm -hmm. come out of the pandemic? Yes, it's been a crazy year for HR. I told my team all throughout the year, if you can do this, you can do anything. We have had to become experts in a global pandemic. We have had to help people transition to working from home, become ergonomic specialists, also become DEI agents of change for diversity. While we're reorganizing teams and laying people off, I've never seen so much activity in HR in one year. It has been incredible, the volume and speed at which we've had to make so many changes. But given all that, I think the most important thing that HR brings to the table in any scenario is being the calm in the storm and that voice of reason. Because if not HR, then who? Because we're in HR, we have relationships across the company. We know people in every department, and not a lot of departments can say that. So we're really the ones who are behind the scenes, being that glue that holds people together, helping everybody move in the same direction. And I do believe this year has been an incredible opportunity for us to show that. It's been such a tough year and a lot of people have lost loved ones. A lot of people have lost their jobs. And I do think that adding a very healthy dose of empathy to our practice, if we're not already doing that, has to happen and paying attention to mental health in 2021. Rushing up on our listening skills, becoming that coach that we talked about earlier, making sure that we're bringing tools to the workforce that will give people safe sounding boards for their anxiety and somebody to listen to them, I think is going to be very important going forward. Mm. It's tough because you're balancing that in a, an environment, their profits have been squeezed. So they're here trying to manage during tough economic times. And sometimes those softer skills just don't make it to the table. 
but I do think that people are really going to need more of that this year. Mm. The soft skills are going to be critical. Mm -hmm. Yes. I hear you. And how do you see that playing out? I think making sure that you have an open door, that you are checking in with your people on a regular and frequent basis, not only members of your own team, but members of the teams that are part of your company, trying to be there for people on a personal level, which we often think, well, that's not our job, but it actually needs to be our job. I think engagement, loyalty, all of those wonderful things, motivation that we're looking for really comes out of being there for people in their personal times of need. Yet sometimes we just get so busy that we forget about that. Mm. And we just expect people to do their jobs. I just don't think this year has been a year that we can say is normal. We all know that. So how can we change how we are as HR practitioners when people really need more care, I think is what we have to ask ourselves. And really understanding how to work remotely how to be able yes. to connect emotionally, how to start a meeting yeah. and integrate feelings and meaning. What's going on? How are you yeah. feeling? What do you have to attend to before we start? Is there anything mm -hmm. critical? And then going through the purpose of the meeting, etc. incorporating the entire human experience. Yes. And additionally, understanding that people are working 24-7 remotely. I've been working with executives to redefine their roles and responsibilities, even grading poor, good, high and top value activities on their calendars. And they tell me how they're swamped with issues they didn't encounter in the office environment. Burnout is a real issue, Cathy, and we have to be sensitive to overwhelming employees. Very much. And I do think that as I watched people over the last eight months, you know, at first when we went out and we were all on Zoom, we started to appreciate some of the aspects of it that I never had thought about before, which is complete efficiency. Everything became very transactional. You got on that call, you got your job done, you got off that call, you got on another call. There were no distractions generally from the kind of distractions that you have in the workplace. But as time wore on months and months and months later, engagement was starting to be challenged. People were having a harder time. And I want to shout out to this challenge that we all have right now where women are having to leave the workforce because of their home responsibilities being challenging to deal with along with their work responsibilities. This is something that's definitely happening right now. I would just shout out to all HR people to please pay attention to who is having the biggest struggle right now, trying to balance their work and home life because the kids are home, they're in online school, which is very challenging for parents. The meals still have to get on the table while you're trying to schedule your meetings. And I just don't want to see women leaving the workforce right now if there can be solutions brought forward that keep them in the workplace. Mm. Because this is a temporary status that we're in. So for any woman who's thinking of leaving the workforce, I would say go have a conversation with your HR leader and see what can be worked out so that you can wait till things go back to normal and make a decision then, not because you're having a hard time balancing everything right now. If your company can come up with a solution, I think they should. Interesting. I conducted an optimal thinking webinar recently for intellectual property law attorneys, all female, and everything you've just said applied to them. Mm-hmm. They had to contend with the dog barking, schooling their kids, 
the husband working in the next room, the phone ringing while they were reading serious legal documents. Mm -hmm. Just as you've said, working remotely is a tough call for many women. Mm -hmm. Kathy, you've shared wonderful information today. Bill, would you like to share something? This has been wonderful. No, this has been excellent, and I know that it's going to help our listeners out quite a bit. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. I really enjoyed it. Kathy, thanks so much for being our guest today. We really appreciate your contribution. So if you enjoyed this episode of How Top Human Resources Professionals Think, like this podcast, subscribe to this channel, and share the link on your favorite social media. It's been a joy to be with you. Thank you for joining us. For more information, please visit OptimalThinking.com or call us at 424-204-6133. That's 424-204-6133. And as Dr. Glickman reminds us, the future belongs to those who bring their best to the present. Have an optimal thinking day. Thank <laughs> you.